Hello everyone, I'm Pastor Rick Hawkins of Quest Church in Norman, Oklahoma. I want to thank you all for joining us today. This podcast is going to be informative, insightful, and inspirational for your life. Listen every week because we'll have a special word just for you. Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. They will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto you. And the Lord said unto him, What is in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And God said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it. Say those two words, caught it. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I'm going to catch something today. And it became a rod in his hand. Listen to verse 5. That they may believe. That they may believe. That the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared unto you. I'm going to preach a message this morning entitled, What Is... Say that to a few folks around you. What is? Let us pray. Father, I'm asking you for a supernatural anointing to be among us today that is conspicuous. That there would be something distinct uh, just about the next 40 minutes of time. That there would be an impression of your deity on the hearts of these your people. And, Lord, I call for the faith of your people to lean forward to receive, that they be open, that they have an ephatha moment, that they be opened to receive what the Spirit is saying to Quest Church in this hour. And while I preach, would you heal somebody? Lord, while I'm preaching today, would you restore a family? Lord, while I'm preaching today, would you allow a mantle to fall on somebody's life? Would you do what only you can do while I'm doing what I'm supposed to do? Have your way. In Jesus' name. Let's clap our hands and shout to the Lord. One more time. Come on, everybody. Just just put your hands together and praise him. Come on, that's pretty good, but I want you to praise him like something is about to happen in your life. Come on, praise him like something is about to be released. Your answer is about to show up. Bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just high-five somebody and tell them it's on right now. It's on right now. You may be seated. We, we left with Moses last week in an ark. 
We left him in an ark last week. If you remember, we left Moses in an ark last week. And he was fixed among the reeds. Many preachers preach on Moses and the ark as if Moses was floating down the river. And the Bible never says he floated down the river. The Bible does say that his mother placed him among the reeds on the bank of the river. She fixed him. She fixed him in such a way that he could not be missed. She fixed him in such a way that the current could not carry him away. The Bible says of that ark that it was pitched on the inside and on the outside. Do you not know that that same terminology is used in regards to Noah's ark? It was pitched on the inside and on the outside. I submit to you a challenge to study the word pitch in the Hebrew because what it means in the Hebrew is grace. The ark was graced in such a way that things that wanted to get into it could not get into it because it was graced. There are things that should have happened to you that didn't happen to you. And it's because you've been pitched. Yeah, you're you're covered with grace on the inside and on the outside. And Moses, my man Moses, he begins to grow. And he's got a battle going on inside of him. He's raised by Egyptians, but he's a Hebrew inwardly. And what's inside came to the outside when he saw what was not supposed to be transpiring against who he was. When he saw an Egyptian killing a Hebrew, he rose up and killed the Egyptian because ultimately what's inside of you is going to come out of you. And the book of Hebrews tells us that Moses refused to be called the son of of Pharaoh's daughter. You raised me, but you are not my mama. You brought me up, but you did not bring me in. Moses is an interesting character, and I dare um, add to my dialogue concerning this character these words, that Moses possibly could be the greatest leader in all of Scripture. Of course, next to Jesus, Moses would rival everyone else. How can a man with stuttering, stammering lips be so strategic in his ability to lead the people of God out of bondage into promise? Because God called him. 
Oh, and it was Pharaoh's daughter that named him Moses. She did not know she was prophesying his future because Moses means to draw out. I've learned something. You can't draw out of people what is not deposited in them. And when God deposits a destiny in a man, in a woman, in a child, in a baby, you have one responsibility as a parent. Draw it out. So you can't get to the deposit without addressing the destiny. My God here. My question is, what are you depositing? Whatever you're putting into them is what you ultimately going to draw out of them. That's not the message. As a matter of fact, it has nothing to do with what I'm about to preach. As a matter of fact, I know where that came from. The Holy Spirit. But I don't know who it was for. But God graced you to receive it. Now I'm going to get to what I plan to preach. There is stuff you have lost that today you will find. There are things you have let go of that you are about to grab hold of. There are dreams that you thought had vanished that you are about to visualize again. There are realms in the spirit that you have walked in that you are about to revisit. God is calling you to pick up something that you have put down. Verse 4 says, and the Lord said to Moses, put forth your hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand. Just for the sake of understanding, I have chosen to read these four verses from a different version. Moses answered, what if Say those two words. They do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back whew, into the staff in his hand. What is? Moses answered, what if? Verse 1. Moses answered God, what if? That's his concern. What if? The question of what if has the ability to haunt you. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. 
the question of what if has the ability to taught you. Two words. What if? I was thinking about the world we live in today. And all of us have considered this question if you pay attention to the news at all. What if Russia releases a nuclear bomb? What if inflation continues to rise in our nation? What if? What if the person I vote for does not win? What if this party or that party runs our country? What if the Supreme Court makes the wrong decision? Oh, I'm coming after you. You're being quiet because you don't want anyone else to know your political business, and uh, that's smart of you. Let's bring it home. What if I do not get that job? What if my marriage continues to weaken? Well, I'm coming to your address. What if my family falls apart? What if it does not work out like I believed it would work out? What if is a question that screams with uncertainty. It screams with insecurity. And this nation is hanging in the balance of two words. What if? And I said, God, speak to me. And God spoke to me and said, I always answer what if with what is. So I came by today to Quest Church to drop some what is word on you. And I found it in Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is a very present help in time of trouble. Every time what if shows up, scream back at it. What is? God is. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way that you can endure it. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5. I'm just going to preach a few minutes on what is. 1 John 1 5 says, This is the message we have heard from him, and we declare to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So when the devil shows up and he says, What if you talk back to him and you say, What is? 
God is light. Hebrews 4.12, here's you a what is. For the word of God is alive and active. The word of God is. Not the word of God will be. Not the word of God used to be. But the word of God is right now alive. And the word of God right now is active. That means the word of God is moving in this building. The word of God is breathing in this building. The word of God is acting in this building. That's what is. Well, when one what if knocks on your door, answer it with what is. Second Kings 4, verse 2 is interesting. The whole chapter is interesting. Just let me set it up. There's a widow there full of what if. <laughs> I feel like preaching today. I feel like that old Pentecostal fire preacher. <laughs> Nudge your neighbor and tell him if you're Baptist, it's about to get loud. Just, just be calm. It's all right. Everything is all right. Hmm. She's full of what if. My husband, she tells the prophet, has died. And he left me with debt. The creditor has come. What if I lose my sons? The prophet answers her with what if I lose? He says what is in your house. Shout with me, look inside. Say it again, look inside. He will never ask you for something that you do not have. What is in your house? Everything you have is everything you need. Your answer is not in someone else's house. Your answer is in your house. Tell your neighbor, your house, your house. What's in your house? Because what's in my house is not what you need. What you need is in your house. Stop looking outside. Start looking inside. Hmm. Exodus 4, Moses answered and said, what if they do not believe me? The Lord said, what is in your hand? What is in your hand? The prophet asked the widow, what is in your house? Same principle. God asked Moses, what is in your hand? Look it up in the Hebrew. It literally means your means. <laughs> your power. Your direction is in your hand. Oh, Lord Jesus. You ever heard this term, this phrase, your future is in your hand. Basically, that is saying you are responsible for your future. When God puts something in your 
hand, he has made you responsible for it. Preach here, pastor. When God puts something in your hand, he has made you responsible for what he put there. If he put in your hand the means, then it is something useful for a desired end. It is available resources for a secured life. What do you have, here's your question, that is useful to bring forth what you really desire? That means, oh, help me today, Jesus. You may have stuff in your hands that he didn't put there. You may be handling stuff that's not yours. So now it becomes a process of differentiation. What is in my hand that God gave me versus what is in my hand that I put there myself because I like it? The question is what resource, no matter how big or how small, is in your hand that can bring security to your life? Never underestimate the power of a mustard seed. Your security does not rest on the size of what you have in your hand. Your security rests in the potential of what you have in your hand. God tells Zerubbabel, the work is in your hands because Zerubbabel wanted to distribute among Nehemiah and Ezra and everyone else. But verse 9 of chapter 4 of Zechariah says, the hands, this is God speaking, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid this foundation and his hands will also finish it. Have you ever gotten to a place when you had stuff in your hands that you got tired of fooling with that you wanted to give it to somebody else? And God says, no, you started this marriage. Oh, no, you said I'd do. And I'm going to make sure you will. <laughs> your five love languages is not going to fix your marriage. It's going to help your marriage. It ain't going to fix your marriage. If your marriage lasts, it's because you took responsibility. Woo, pastor. So he said, Zerubbabel, your hands started it. Your hands are going to finish it. Jesus has this thing about what's in my hand find him saying in John chapter 10 verse 28 I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my they mine my father which gave them to me is greater than all of y'all 
and no man is able to pluck out of my father's hand. He said, my father's hand and my hand is the same hand. If God put it in your hand, then God's hand is under your hand. All right, let's move on because I know we, we must hurry today. The question I want to present this morning after my introduction is this. When what he put in your hand gets out of your hand, then what? Verse 3 of our text, chapter 4 says, and he said, God said, cast it on the ground. He cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from before it. Now, I'm going to ask you for the next five minutes to give me your undivided attention. Okay? Because at this point in messages is when people start thinking about the crock pot. At this point in messages, people start considering, are we going to Charleston's or Olive Garden? I want you just five minutes, please. And then I'm going to preach a lot longer, and you can let your mind wander during that time. But for five minutes, I need you. Because this is the crux. This part of the message is the hook. What happens when what God put in your hand gets out of your hand? Hmm. I'm going to give you a few examples of when God tells you to take your hand off of something. God will tell you to take your hand off of something when it has matured to a place that it is responsible for itself. Stay with me. God will tell you to take your hand off of something when you are passing it on in succession or to a successor. Now, controlling people will give you the baton and never let go of the other end. <laughs> They'll tell you it's yours, but will manipulate your movements. <laughs> Meaning you never really let it go. But whatever the case may be, when your hand is off of it, your heart never leaves it. Let it sink in. When you take your hand off your kids, you can't tell them what to do when they're 21. They can look at you and say, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, with that little innocent smile. But when they walk out that door, they know they're 21. And they're going to do what they want to do. It doesn't mean that you take your heart from them. You take your hand off, but you leave your heart on. See, my hand is off of place for life, but my heart 
is on place for life. My hand is off my daughter. She's sitting right here. But my heart is always on my daughter. Hmm. You're no longer controlling it, but now you're covering it. Let them hear it. Let them hear it. I'm not controlling you, baby, but I'm covering you. Sometimes things are removed from our hands to show us what will happen with it. And sometimes things are removed from our hand not to show us what it will become, but to show us what we become. And when God told Moses to release what I put in your hand, it became something that Moses didn't expect it become, to become. But Moses became something he did not expect himself to become. For the first time in his life, he runs. Moses became a man he didn't even know when he got out of his hand. See, when you let go of things from your hand that God put in your hand too early, it will become something God did not intend it to be. Hmm. It became a serpent. It became like Genesis chapter 3. The word serpent here in the Hebrew literally means to hiss or to whisper. When you release it, when God didn't tell you to release it, or you release it so that God can show you what it will become, it begins to talk to you instead of you talking to it. Study it out. Study it out yourself. It means foretelling or forecasting. It begins to forecast its own future instead of you forming it into the future it's supposed to go toward. Wow. I've seen men let go of ministries too quick. And it became something that they didn't intend it to be and God didn't intend it to be. I've seen people let go of kids. Come on and preach here. You thought they was ready, but they wasn't ready. And they became something that they weren't intended to be. And the responsibility is on you. Boy, it's quiet in this sanctified building. See, when it is out of his hand, he ran from it. How many times have we wanted to run from that which God entrusted to us? I don't want nothing to do with it. <laughs> Moses fled from before it. He fled. He disappeared, literally. Moses ran from the thing that God assigned to his life. Preach here, Pastor Rick. 
He ain't the only man that ran in scripture, man of God in particular. Joseph ran from Potiphar's wife. Elijah ran from Jezebel. David ran from Saul. Jonah ran from Nineveh. He's not peculiar. He's not the only man of God that ran from the very thing he was assigned to. But the old saints used to say, you can run, but you cannot hide. Psalm 139 verse 7 says, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I go up into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I take wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. I can run, but I cannot hide. I'm almost done. Humor me, please. Humor me, but tell your neighbor, I'm about to get something right here. This was all a setup for what you were about to. Somebody throw a hand up and say, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this. Woo! And the Lord said to Moses, verse 4, put forth your hand. And take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand. If he had to come back to it, it means he ran from it. He did not say, let another hand pick up your assignment. In order for him to pick it up, he had to overcome fear. I came by to tell you, some of you have been afraid to love again. Some of you have been afraid to do this or that again because it didn't work the first time. I came by to tell you perfect love. Cast out all fear. Love would not tell you to grab hold of something that's going to hurt you. Pick it up. He had to overcome his past experiences to pick it up again. He had to overcome the unknown to pick it up again. I came by to tell you that you are an overcomer and you can overcome your past, you can overcome your disappointments, you can overcome your rejections, you can overcome your seasons of less than, you can overcome, overcome whatever is telling you not to pick it up and pick it up again. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? Get your marriage back in your hand. Get your children back in your hand. Get your purpose back in your hand. Get your ministry back in your hand. 
I'm going to give you 10 seconds to praise him like you about to. Catch it. Catch it. Catch it. Catch it. Catch it. There's a catch it spirit in this building today. There's a catch it spirit in this building today. I'm going to say it again. There's a catch it spirit in this building today. As the deer panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. I'm after you. I press to take hold of that which has taken hold of me. I want you to shout it three times. Catch it, catch it, catch it. Some of you think it's just going to be easy that God's just going to put it back in your hand. He did not say, Moses, open your hand and put it in his hand. He told Moses two words, catch it. And there's stuff that's gotten away from you that it's not God's effort that's going to put it back in your hand. It's your effort that's going to put it back in your hand. Say it again. Catch it, catch it, catch it. There's two kinds of people in this building. Those that came in here to go for it and those that came in here to sit in the stands of spectatorship and watch others get what God has assigned to their life. Turn me up a little bit, Britt. Just a little bit into my, I promise you I won't scream much louder than I'm screaming right now. Lord, Lord. Hallelujah. Say it again, catch it. Things have gotten away from you. And God told me to tell you, this is your day to get it all back. Catch your joy. Catch your peace. You ain't never going to get what you do not go after. He said, take it by the tail, which means that's the last thing he could grab. It almost got away from him. The Hebrew etymology is beautiful. Rokobo say, I feel the Holy Ghost. It means to curtail or to cut off what it is becoming. When you get it back in your hand, it starts reversing back into what God intended it to be. Shout it again. Get it in your hand. Mm. He caught it by the tail, and it became what God intended it to be. Catch it and watch it change. Catch it and watch you change. Hush, stop. Because I think this was for about 30 people. But that's all right. I dare you to shout, don't let it get away. Some of you are saying, well, things can't leave you that God gave you. You better read the Bible. 
The Bible tells me in the book of Revelation, while you were sleeping, things slipped out of your life. If they left, then you got to go. And the devil will tell you, you can't have your joy back. The devil will tell you, you'll never have peace again. I double dog dare you to jump up and shout, I'm going to get what's mine. In chapter 4, I'm going to be done. Verse 17, God tells Moses, take the rod in your hand and you will do signs. Did you hear that? Get it back in your hand and you'll do signs with it. He starts using it. The Bible says in verse 20, he took the rod in his hand before he went back to Egypt. Chapter 7 he takes the rod in his hand. Verse 20, chapter 7, he takes the rod in his hand. Verse 22, chapter 7, he takes the rod in his hand. Chapter 8, verse 16, he took the rod in his hand. Chapter 9, verse 23, he took the rod in his hand. Chapter 10, verse 13, he took the rod in his hand. Chapter 14. Chapter 14 is where things get interesting because now it's not crystal. It's not only Moses that needs the rod in his hand. The people need Moses to have the rod in his hand. Watch. He gets to the Red Sea. There's a sea behind him and Pharaoh's are in front of him and Pharaoh's army behind him. And the Bible says, Moses said to the people, listen to the confidence of this shy, bashful, stammering, stuttering, lip Moses. Fear not. I can see him just with that rod behind his leg. Fear not. And in his heart he's saying, I got it back where it's supposed to be. Stand still and see the salvation of God, which he's going to show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and you can hold your peace. And the Lord said to Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak to the children of Israel, that they go forward. But before you say anything, use what's in your hand. Lift up your rod and stretch it, your hand over the sea and you divide it, Moses. I'm not going to divide it for you. There's stuff you asking God to do that if you were just doing your part... say you divide the sea by how, how can I do that by being responsible with what I put in your hand and he stretched forth the rod watch and, he, and the children of Israel shall go forth on dry ground in the midst of the sea 
God is good. I must stop because I could preach all day long. I need you to shout this as loud as you can. It's not about you. Now say it another way. It's not about me. You've got a whole family. You've got a whole generation. You've got a whole nation. You've got a whole community watching to see if you're going to be responsible with what God has put in your hand. Your children depend on it. And you say, but Pastor Rick, I get tired of having it. Everywhere I go, I to deal with Try to get it out of my heart. It won't get out of my heart. Why? Because God put it there. And when you get tired, chapter 17, verse 9, don't go any higher than that. That's my highest I can go in your modulations and your transitions, Brother Gino. The Bible says in chapter 17 and verse 9 that Moses is now tired. And the Bible says as long as his hands are raised. Israel defeats Amalek in the valley. Y'all not hearing me preach today. But watch this. When it came time for ultimate victory, Aaron and Hur came alongside him. And the Bible says they put the rod in his hands. And they held his hands up. And as long as his hands were raised and the rod was in his hands, Joshua defeated the Amalekites. I came by to tell you, help is on the way. There's an Aaron and there is a her. Her represents worship. Aaron represents praise. Praise and worship are coming to help you. Tell your neighbor, hold on to it. Because if you're too tired and let it go, we're going to lose. But if you hold on to what God gave you, if you hold on to what God promised you, if you hold on to what God assigned to you, we're going to all win. Look at three people and tell them, get it back in your hand. That's right. I dare you to take five seconds and give God a praise here. Hey, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. 
Holy Ghost. When you get the revelation, when you get this revelation, you'll start understanding why people receive the Holy Ghost through the laying on of Paul told Timothy, I laid my hands on you and you received something. Suddenly it changes the dynamics of the laying on of hands. Suddenly it changes the dynamics of responsibility. I'll, I'll say this. I said a while ago, it's not about you. The Bible says in our final verse, verse 5 of our text, let's all stand. <laughs> that they may believe the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has also appeared to you. It's not about you. It's about others watching you. Do with what God has put in your hand what you were supposed to do. That they may believe. It's hard for people to believe irresponsible Christians. What did you just say, Rick? Quit playing with the call of God. I'm tired of hearing Christians say, God called me to. And you grab it and you act like you're serious. Because you want to be called pastor. Or apostle or bishop or elder. Or, but you don't do nothing. With what God put in your hand. If you're going to play, don't put it in your hand. My God have mercy. Some of you have let go of stuff that God put in your hand and it became something you did not know it was going to become. And I came by today to tell you, get it back in your hand. 